Hi, I'm Phil Trethaway. Hi, I'm Serena Joel. You're listening to the Creativity Speaks podcast, where Serena and I explore the stories of Sacramento's creative community. Serena has produced and marketed some of your favorite Sacramento events. And Phil is the co-founder of Creativity Plus and creative director of Position Interactive, a digital design agency. Each season of Creativity Speaks focuses on a different theme. This quarter, we are focusing on the theme of shift. Thanks for listening. We hope these discussions are enlightening, inspiring, and spark a few conversations in your home and your workplace. If you're interested in being a sponsor of this podcast, email us at creativityplus, that's P-L-U-S, Sacramento, at gmail.com. Welcome to another episode of Creativity Speaks. On behalf of the entire Creativity Plus team, we want to thank you for your support. We also want to mention that this is the last episode on the topic of shift. We are going to take the month of August off and we will return in September with a new topic. Now today, I am honored to call today's guest a friend. Tara Taylor is the founding executive director of Single Mom Strong, a California nonprofit organization. Tara and I first met through the Sacramento Metro Chambers Leadership Sacramento program, and I can honestly say I've seen firsthand the impact she's making within our community. From career shifts to shifting society's perception, Tara is single mom strong. Tara, speaking of strength, what gives you the power to empower others? Well, thank you for that. First of all, that was sweet. I think some of it is innate, right? I think I was born an optimist and that's reflected in the path that my career has followed. Early roles that I took were coaching and training roles. So some of it is just natural in who I am. But I think most of it is life experience. I've had some really tough stuff in my life, like many people, but I have survived through all of it. And what, what it's taught me is that we each have within us absolutely everything that we need to thrive. Um, and every time you overcome those obstacles, that just reinforces that. So knowing that there's, there's not any women around me that I don't think I have some commonality with. We all have our struggles. And I think that if I can display how I've overcome those and have created a life that I love, that gives me the strength to pour that into her. I love that. I love that, that sharing your strength with others part. And so when you're, you started off your career, you've been an entrepreneur for a long time, you were a single mom through that whole experience. And there was a point at which your daughter went to college and you had experienced lots of successes. The company was selling different parts of it. I, if you want to hear the entire story, they can go to your website. There's actually a great little bio there on it. But I want to talk about the moment where you started thinking about, I need to do something and it's going to be the single mom strong thing. And, and how did that come about? What, what was that mindset of yours? And, and how did you get yourself over the hump to do the thing? Like talk about that, that moment in your life. You know, there were, there were a lot of things leading up to that moment. And much of it came during my single mom journey. Things would stand out, certain challenges would stand out. And I would look at things and think this should not be this hard, that we should be as a society doing more to ensure better outcomes for our children. We should be harnessing some of these strengths in our leaders in our community and, and creating better outcomes for our communities, right? So 
over a long period of time, I, I would make notes of different things. I'd have different ideas. The name Single Mom Strong came to me many years before Single Mom Strong existed. So there were just different thoughts and different things that I'd experienced. But in that particular moment, there were a couple of things. And the first one was my daughter was leaving and she was very much the center of my world. You know, as a single parent, especially one who, like me, is maybe a bit of a perfectionist, maybe a little bit of an overachiever, right? So I was an overachiever at being mom. And it was super important to me to show up for her throughout her life. And I knew that her leaving meant a really big hole in my life. So I can totally relate to those people who have that empty nest syndrome and those feelings. And so I felt like there's opportunity in this. With every struggle, there's opportunity, right? And so finding the opportunity to me meant, what do I do with this extra time? Saturdays used to be soccer games. Saturdays need to be something else, right? And so there was that piece. And then there was the other piece that was, I had achieved a lot of success. I had achieved a lot of my professional goals. You know, I'm, I'm the type of person who lists their goals and, and calls her shots a little bit. And, and I'd done many of those things. And it culminated in a trip to Europe, a mother-daughter trip to Europe when my daughter graduated. And it was kind of like, okay, well, if I've done all this, I'm not even 40 years old. Maybe there's something more than money. Maybe there's something more important for me to do. Fancy cars are nice, you know, but there are more important things. And so knowing I had set her up and she was, she was about to step into the life that she deserved, I felt like, you know, why not do something more important? And so when you created Single Mom Strong, you had all of these professional accomplishments, but you didn't have direct experience running nonprofits or empowerment curriculum. So when you set out to create Single Mom Strong, how did you go about designing that experience, the organization, and the curriculum overall? That's a good question. A lot of it was um, I didn't know what I didn't know, right? And so sometimes ignorance is bliss. And so I didn't know the challenges of running a nonprofit. I only knew my business success, right? And I felt like some of that has to translate. And so I thought that I could uh, transfer those skills and many of them I could, you know, some of building an organization is universal. So I felt that I had enough business success and enough life experience as a single mom to apply to that role. But those first couple of years were really uh, trial and error. You know, it was really... I have this idea and I know that it will work. I just don't really know how, right? And so we would try different things. I'd say the first year to two years was really, we have this mission and it's very broad. So our mission is to empower single mothers and their children through enrichment, encouragement, and educational programs. So those were kind of the pillars. I knew I had these areas that I'd either experienced my own hardships in, recognized hardships for my daughter, you know, those kinds of things. So little pieces that I had taken notes along the way that I knew we needed to make an impact in those areas. And it was trial and error. How do we make progress in these areas? And really what I did more than anything was listen. And 
it was in creating a community of single moms and listening to what they needed and watching their existing struggles and then drawing on my past experience, we were able to shift into something that created results. Yeah, well, well, and I also know that through your time, um, through Leadership Stack, when we were going through the programs, we were introduced to Kim Tucker at Impact Foundry. And from what I recall from hearing your story and just personal conversations, she really helped educate you on that nonprofit process, like what to do, how to do, how to leverage. And I think that there's so many people here in Sacramento and just I'm sure everywhere that don't know what resources are available to them. Absolutely. So what would you suggest? Like how, how did you get introduced to Impact Foundry? I think it was, you know what? I honestly don't know. It was like a newsletter or something like that. I am a consummate learner, right? So I'm always looking for more resources. I'm always looking for another way. And I will never forget the first time I sat down with Kim Tucker was, it was like a two hour conversation because I just kept asking questions. It was she like, was awesome. ah, yeah, it's why, yeah. And it, it was so refreshing to me to have someone who actually wanted to sit with me for that long. The more questions I asked, the more answers she had. And I was so uh, inspired by her and kind of, days like oh my gosh there is a lot i don't know and so i'm really passionate about that now actually i i do spend a lot of time talking with people who are considering building a nonprofit who are young nonprofit founders you know these five things if i would have known these five things then you know that i know now and kim and the impact foundry and the resources there were one of those huge things and the great thing about sacramento you know sacramento in the nonprofit world is a double edged sword we have the most nonprofits per capita um, than anywhere else in California. And so you're fighting, you know, you're you're working almost against each other for a limited amount of funds, a little limited amount of support, community support, that kind of thing. But on the other hand, we have this really great resource in the impact boundary, and we have a lot of really great experience from those nonprofit leaders. So when you get someone who wants to share that experience, it's like a gold mine. I'd actually like to go back for a minute to talk a bit about this curriculum thing because some people might ask like why we had you on this podcast, right? This is a podcast for creatives. Why is there a lady here talking about a very important issue, but like, you know, like what does that have to do with creative and design? But as I heard you talk about that, I heard you talk about, you know, surveying your users, understand their user experience, prototyping. I mean, you were just prototyping different ways of solving this problem, testing it, testing it, and go back and changing it. And that is a lot of the in, the, the creative cycle of, of, of designing a program or a curriculum to get it to a place. And I think a lot of people are intimidated by starting to create something. And you for charged sure. into creating something, which I admire you for, and I love what you've done to do that and say, all right, I see a challenge. I want to go tackle that and these universal truths in how we create, you know, a piece of software is also how you're creating these programs. Absolutely. You know, when you, when you mentioned the topic of shift, you know, when I think shift, I think innovate, right. And in my world of, of addressing social issues, I think the way that you innovate is not by trying to address a problem, but by interrupting the root causes of the problem. Right. So I think of us as an interrupter. I think if I can look at what's creating this issue, and for in my case, it's single moms, you know, the outcomes, I know a lot about the outcomes. I know that 
Uh, children of single mothers have behavioral issues. I know that mothers are more likely to have lower e economic potential, not achieve their career goals. I mean, there's there's so many negative statistics that I can quote all day long. But I also can look at exactly what's created those problems. And I can see the real benefits that single moms have. And so if I look at what comes before the problem or what comes before the outcome and really look at those causes and instead of pulling on the negative aspects, pull out the positives. And in our case, it's in single motherhood, that work ethic, I mean, you're wearing a million hats all the time, right? And especially now, I mean, we count on our single moms to be teachers and employees and, uh, you know, a, a million things. They, they wear a, a million hats all the time. Um, but that is a good example of an incredible work ethic, of determination, of perseverance. So why aren't we harnessing those strengths in these women and using them for the betterment of our communities? That's what should be happening. We should be looking at what, where's the good, finding that and really nurturing that. Yeah, that's a stigma you're tackling there, right? I mean, in, internally with the women as well as externally with the community. Absolutely. You know, that was when they, when I was looking at the list of reasons that Single Mom Strong was, was to be created, that was one of them that really stood out for me. And things may have changed a little in the last 20 years. My daughter is 23 now, so they've changed a little, but not enough. And I remember those feelings of not fitting in, you know, of being at at the soccer game and being the only single mom on the sidelines and the couples are talking to each other, but nobody's talking to me. And, you know, the perception, I'll never forget. I went to speak to a community group early, early on in single mom strong being, and there was this perception amongst men mainly of like, why should I help this woman who chose to get a divorce and single motherhood comes in, so many forms and it comes from so many sources. Sometimes they're not married. Sometimes that there's domestic violence. Sometimes there's medical issues. I, there's a million reasons that they're here, but the bottom line is they're here and these are children. And in our region, 35% of kids are being raised by single moms. So that's a really ignorant perception. We need to make sure that this one third of our population has positive outcomes. Because if we don't, what does that mean for our future? So just really taking a look at why do people have, feel this way about single motherhood and how can we change it? And so that's a lot of, of the reasoning behind the name Single Mom Strong. Mm -hmm. It's very much, I know that these are, are wonderful qualities in these women and you need to recognize those qualities. Flynn, through your community outreach and just your empowerment center, how are you addressing that stigma of single motherhood? And how can we and our listeners help foster change? Yeah, very good question. So for me, I think celebration is like the greatest revolution, right? So to celebrate things that people look at with some negativity is, is how you change that perception. I think the most the easiest way to change that perception. And so we celebrate those strengths that I was talking about constantly. In the community, we we host Mother's Day events, we host Valentine's events. You know, Valentine's Day for a single mother can be a real bummer. 
right? You're watching all your friends get dozens of roses delivered. Your kids, if they're little, don't get it, you know? And so I remember those years of like on the couch with a tub of ice cream, watching a sad rom-com, you know, like that's not what it should be. And so we have made love uh, Valentine's day about loving yourself. And each year it gets bigger and bigger. And we have sponsors who buy tables for single moms to sit and enjoy positive, empowering speakers and a beautiful catered dinner. But it's through these events, it's through seeing the celebration of their strengths and their power that the community is starting to recognize, hey, something good is happening over there. And so I think the more we celebrate um, the powers of these women, the more we step in and make their path a little bit easier, the more that stigma will change. And I've already recognized it here in our community. The conversation is changing here. Yeah, do you invite a certain number of community members to those types of dinners and make sure there's, there's the right people there listening to those stories? So, yeah, we just, we just really started letting the outside in more. It was very much like a secret society in the beginning <laughs> because there's no place in the world that being a single mom is cool right? Like it's not, it's not a, yeah, well, I'm working on that. It's not a fun thing. It's not, you know, most of the time it's really hard. And so we were very protective of the environment of this one space where people, where moms come in and they feel um, empowered and connected and important and loved. And, and so while our, our events and celebrations are very much about mom. We now more often are letting the outside see those things. And even if it's, you know, having video and sharing after people are seeing and, and starting to get it. Right. Well, I know you're doing great work, you know, creating these childcare centers for the, the kids to help them embrace their strengths. And you're working with the moms on workshops, uh, working on themselves personally. And so I was kind of curious about on that third leg of the community and changing the stigma in the community and and how how people can help and engage with that. So it's something that I think is really developing at this point and and it's developing through our curriculum. So essentially what we do is we have, we're a community, as I said. So we have a variety of events that moms have the opportunity to engage in the community through mother and child events, mom's night out events, workshops, etc. Our workshops are led by community leaders, members of the community who care about our cause and are excel in a certain field. So experts of first time home buying could be family law, they show up and they teach these workshops, they lead these workshops. In addition to those programs, a lot of what we do is centered in coaching. So again, we don't care how you got here. We care where you're going and we're trying to remove barriers, right? So we have two different lines of coaching. One is pre-employment and career coaching, and then the other is life and entrepreneurial coaching. So again, you know, community leaders, executives from a variety of backgrounds, they're actually matched with single moms and their coaching. And so the more people get involved in our programs and in the actual curriculum or in the trenches with them, leading them through preparing for interviews and those kinds of things, I think the more that buzz is being created and people are starting to understand the outcome. 
you're a strong, powerful woman. We've talked about this just through our leadership um, program as well. And I think that there's sometimes when a woman says something, it's sometimes perceived a little bit different as a man. And so as you've been going through trying to not only empower single moms, but you're also really trying to empower women. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of goes sure. hand in hand. And you're sure. so involved within the community. So I guess what, what do you have to say to any everyone out there, like all the women who are like, I keep getting silenced. <sighs> I would push back and actually say that only you can silence you. So you're not getting silenced. You're allowing that to happen. And people, I'm sure there are a lot of women who would fight me on that. But commanding respect is in how you carry yourself. It's in your confidence. All of those things happen innately. It's not something outside of your control. It's something within your control. And I think that we tend to focus so much on negatives or, you know, let things beat us rather than let things build us. And so that's really, I think, the issue there. It's not you're getting silenced. It's it's you're allowing yourself to be silenced. Well, I think that's where you definitely lead by example with everyone within your organization is if I can do it, I've done it then you can do it too. And with all your life coaching and everything. So that's kind of why I wanted to touch on that topic as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, so for a long time, I didn't talk much about my, my upbringing and about some of the challenges that I experienced. And, um, so I spent the first few years of single mom strong, only being the cheerleader, right? Always the happy face, always in your corner. Um, but there was a little bit of a disconnect there because while people got it, you know, they knew the single mom strong story. So they knew that I had achieved professional success and I had raised a great kid. And so that looks like a happy little picture, but it was still a little bit removed. And it wasn't until I started digging deeper and sharing more about some of the things, the hardships that I'd really experienced that people started to get it more that she's, strong and confident and happy and aggressive almost with her joy, right? Like she's all that despite all these weird things. And I think then you can buy it, right? Then you're like, wow, well, if she survived that and I have very similar circumstances in my past, then I can too. It comes from really looking at you survived 100% of your worst days. I know that's cliche, but it's true. And coming out of a pandemic, we should all be celebrating, right? We're still here. We're still (laughs) here. We figured out how to thrive despite this craziness. And so anyone who's feeling anything other than that, that's something within you. You've got to find pride. You've got to find celebration because what's the alternative? Yeah. What are some of those programs and workshops you do with women to get here to what you're talking about, to get to this place? So there, for me, and one of the things that I actually coach in our program is goal setting and accountability. And so I think that is the biggest way to build confidence for anyone, right? If I call my shot, if I make a list of things that I want to have happen in my life, and I start checking that list off, what is built from all those check marks is confidence, right? It's like, oh, I did that. Oh, now I can do that. Oh, now I can do this. And you keep building on those successes. And so we start with that. We look at 
where are you trying to go? How do I break that down into bite-sized pieces? And then how do I hold you accountable to make those bites, right? And so that is one of the core programs is really like spelling out what are you trying to achieve? How do we get there? And then how do we start taking those steps? And then as the years go on, we really continue to, again, listen to what our community needs and shift to what the solutions are for the current problems. And that's been everything from preschool and childcare, tutoring. Right now, a lot of it is around confidence. And I think that's from being removed. Like if you're by yourself all the time, you've become almost a shell of yourself. And so we're, we're building a program around confidence, which I could talk about confidence all day, obviously. So, <laughs> so I'm really excited about that one. Um, and, you know, and then sometimes it's just like acrylic pour painting. You know, sometimes you just need to be creative. Sometimes you just need to try new things, take an hour to be with yourself, investing in yourself. Um, and I loved how before you talked about how you use leadership. You're really trying to encourage the children in the program to use their leadership skills. So if somebody is artistically inclined, let them teach other kids how to draw. Yes. Leadership is a core value throughout everything that we do. So the the goal really is world domination, right? But we get there. (laughs) We get there by moms taking the lead, right? So someone should be coming, will be coming behind me and taking on this Sacramento region from a leadership perspective. And single moms will be stepping up with their skills and leading the workshop. Some of them already are, you know, and over time, it's really harnessing their strengths so that they lead. Same thing with our kids. We we can focus on what's happened to you and we can focus on the negative aspects of your situation or we can focus on what your strengths and talents are and how you live in them. I just... Just want to take a moment to say I just really appreciate the way you're thinking differently about this challenge. I mean, so often, you know, a single woman's thought of it as a victim of a certain situation, and you're just all about the positivity and being proud of what you have and and their strengths and the amazing things they've gotten through. So the lens you look at through is is, is beautiful, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you <laughs> for a moment in our podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. I I think there's, I always think about what's the alternative and, and that's in everything. Like we can look at all of the negativity or we can choose to look at the positive and there's so much positive happening there. There's so much good that we can pull out of these women and kids. And so I'm excited to see the long-term outcomes. I'm already starting to see the short-term outcomes. I see them in our preschool. I see them in our childcare. I see them in our moms. Our moms that are, you know, finishing. I had a, I had one finish finish a master's degree program while in lockdown, so she had to go virtual with it. She's got our child at home, virtual distance learning. She finishes the program and she gets a job offer, and she's like, "Well, what do I do?" I, you know, I have a child who's distance learning. I've been at home this whole time. And at the same time, I worked really hard to get this degree. And so she called me personally and said, what do I do? And I said, come bring them over here. So our childcare has those kids, those kids who have been out of school for a year and mom still needs to go to work and mom should get to achieve her goals. Why doesn't mom get to achieve her goals? And so I see, you know, that mom who is flourishing 
And I see her son flourishing in our care. And I'm excited to see if we, if we create these small solutions, what we're doing is not hard, but if we remove some barriers for these women, what happens to these kids? So long-term I'm, I'm really hopeful. I love it. That's so like heartwarming to hear. And I know for me, when we did the um, Christmas, when we did all the gifts for the families, right? Seeing your follow-up. So what you do is adopt adopt a family Mm -hmm. and a wish list and we bought gifts and then you went and you deliver them yourself. And then during COVID, it was especially difficult. And so that follow-up photo or video and the notes, it was just really heartwarming. So to know that that's kind of how you, you get that every day. So that's really incredible. Yes, it is. I do not make the money that I made in my past life, (laughs) but I reap rewards um, that I am so, so grateful for. I mean, I get back so much more than I give. And it's just really awesome to be able to be part of those small moments. And there's so many moments. I mean, you were privy to a few of them, but many of them are private. And, And you said, you know, I go on every delivery. I deliver all those gifts because I want mom to feel celebrated, not to feel like a charity. I don't, I don't want, I want it to feel like a holiday, right? And that's what it should feel like. And you shouldn't feel bad that you need a little help this time. So yeah, so it's, it's really special to be a part of some of those moments um, and to see those breakthroughs. And, and yeah, I just can't wait to see long-term how our region is impacted by this work. Let's talk long-term for a second here and even just beyond our region, right? Yeah. And I think I, I'm pretty sure there are single moms outside of Sacramento. Is that true? <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, so are you help 20... any of them? Yeah, of course. I told you All world right. domination. Tell me about it. Me about uh, it. <laughs> so our intent was always to be a national program. We had to create the secret sauce here. And it was important to me to do that too. You know, Sacramento is where I raised my daughter. And I wanted to create the solutions here in my home. But now that we've done that, now that we know what that recipe is, I feel a responsibility to help as many moms as possible to to change outcomes for as many children as possible. And so early on, I looked at what regions have high percentages of children being raised by single moms. And there are cities that really stand out, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Dallas, Texas, uh, Phoenix, Arizona. So in these regions, at least 35, sometimes 39% of children are being raised by single moms. And while we can't, I don't, I don't know that we're going to change the divorce rate at any time in the future. It's not something that I have control over. We can change what happens for these families. And so we hope to duplicate our effort in other cities. I am sure that we will have a presence nationwide in the future. And it's just, again, figuring out that recipe. How do we get there? Yeah, like going back to our other conversation about like building curriculum, designing curriculum and designing this, this organization, which you're doing as well, right? So a bit of your curriculum is based upon leadership and role modeling and accountability to these leaders who are kind of running these groups. It sounds like to me this mentoring. How do you go about finding those people in these communities? Because... I've tried to hire people. I have hired people. And it's, it's a difficult process to, to know someone so quickly over interviews and things. So how are you going about doing that? So the great part or one of the great aspects of what we have is we're a community of single moms, right? So 
And I've just talked about all the incredible things about single moms. And so we have this pool of talent. What we do in a region is create this group. And so in our, our Sacramento closed private network of single moms is over 700 single moms. And that's been built over four years. We've gone into other cities like Las Vegas and started to create that network. And we build that network both virtually because our workshops are online, because our uh, meetups, some of them are online. So you can connect with a single mom who's anywhere who has the same struggles as you you do. You know What, what really solidifies the community are the in-person transactions, which we'll start to do as a community grows. But if I then have in each region created this network of single moms who are are communicating with each other or talking about their concerns or their needs or their wins, I've already gotten to know my future leaders. I already can identify, I mean, here I can identify many of them. I know the person I want to ha- to take my job in the future. And so I think that that's, it's really great to already have exposure to all of their talents. Yeah, you have, it's your self-fulfilling prophecy almost, right? You create yes. your own pipeline. Yes, yes. I, I am hoping people will take my job and, and create more jobs beneath us, for sure. Well, I was thinking, I kind of want to slide in one question before we wrap up things here. But when we talk about perception of like a single mom and we look at marketing and advertising and design and kind of when we look at the focus of the podcast, what can all of those industries be doing differently? to help celebrate the single mom? What can our designers be doing? We talk a lot about this with, uh, with race and sexism and things, but what can we do that for a single mom? Um, it's always, single mothers are always viewed in this context of the plight of the single mom, right? It's like this scary, horrible thing. We need to change that. It, we need to, if you look at pictures, like if you Google pictures of single moms, it's always this person pulling her hair out. And so this, it's, graphically and verbally we're demonstrating this picture before you even know an individual and so we're working really hard to change that even right now we're going through a logo change our logo is i love our name right it very much exudes what it's supposed to be but our logo is light pink and purple it's like pastels that's not strength to me and so in the beginning i didn't understand how much that small thing really changes a perception, right? And so it's that, for sure, it's looking at those pictures depicting these moms pulling their hair out. We need to change that. We need to, as we discussed earlier, we need to look at all of the great qualities and really start demonstrating those things. Yeah, these creatives, you know, it's really... You have a 15 second TV spot. How are you going to communicate someone who's stressed out and needs relief from that? Oh yeah. Use the mom trope, right? Like, I think that's also the things that, you know, we've talked about with race, like, like Serena said, like, all right, we want to create a scary situation. You know, you have a dark street and you may have people of color on it. Right. And so, but we need to get away from those quick and easy solutions that trigger certain emotions in people, but just, but really they continue to compound stereotypes. Absolutely. And I always feel like we've come so far and then we haven't really come that far at all. You know, you look at what moms are going through right now and so many have left the workforce and so many are, are 
struggling with supporting their distance learners. And, you know, so it, it feels like one step, step forward, two steps back very often for women in general, but also for moms. And I think it's incumbent upon all of us as it is with race, as it is with every social issue. If you're not doing something, you're part of the problem, right? And so just educating yourself, thinking about your language, thinking about how things are reflected and what part you can play in that, I think is super important. Definitely. Agreed. So as we wrap up today's conversation, I want to ask you the same question we've asked all of our other speakers. What is your one piece of advice for someone looking to make a big shift in their life or a change in their community? Risk is required. Nothing changes without risk. Playing it safe never works. So you have to not only be open to risk, but embrace it. The worst thing that happens is no, right? The worst thing, I always say ask. I am, I, I am an asker <laughs> because the worst that can happen is response, but the best that can happen is it's limitless. It's open-ended, right? And so looking at risk in a different lens of as opportunity instead of something scary, I think is the most important thing. Awesome. That's well, great thank advice. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the efforts you're making in the community and hopefully in our nation and region soon. I think it's super exciting that you're tackling this problem differently. You take the initiative to do it yourself and empower others to also take the mission further forward. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And you are also doing what you can in your capacity, which is super cool. And I appreciate you. All right. All right. Take take care. Thanks for joining us today. This podcast would not be possible without our sponsors, Page Design Group, Position Interactive, Porter Co., and Capital Area Development Authority. This podcast is a program of Creativity Plus and recorded from the safety of our homes in beautiful Sacramento, California. Our programming is made possible by a wonderful team of volunteers. Please be sure to rate and review the show. To learn more about Creativity Plus, please visit convenethecreatives.org. And thank you for listening to the Creativity Speaks podcast.